0: Welcome to Culture Crawl HX Podcast. I'm your
1: co-host Michael Ward Jr. And this is Donald Scott II. Today we'll talk about in the culture of inclusion and diversity now. Um, the, the conversations that people are having, whether in their schools, at work, um, in this work from home environment, and then, and then because we are in the midst of an election Of course, there's all of this, uh, I would say turmoil probably around what IND looks like as it relates to our history and ultimately right, representation. Uh, Because I think, actually, you know what? um, I was on a call with Professor Wang who uh, is a Princeton professor and is at least helping manage um, maybe running it and has written a couple books and, and the like and et cetera, right? But, but elections.princeton.edu or maybe election.princeton.edu, he gave a talk on the concept of uh, voting, voter power, and then I think also there's been a little bit of topic, at least on Twitter, around small D dem, democracy and democratic politics and small R republican um, politics and what he was saying, I think, is that there are parts of Wisconsin where voters' votes don't count relative to making change of the leadership, and the leadership does not do what the voters want them to do. So, in, in both cases, right, the people who are voting have their votes diluted, and then the people for whom they are, the the people who represent them don't actually represent them. And in Wisconsin, we're probably talking about a homogenous group of people, right? But if you think about IND inside of, are we being represented? That is the ultimate issue and challenge is that I don't see myself represented in this group whether it's group of teachers, group of senators, uh, group of any type of decision maker or person in power, that is ultimately the issue. And it, it, it becomes political, it becomes societal, it becomes whatever it is. But ultimately at the end of the day, it's about representation and whether or not our voices are actually being heard and what we have to do in order to raise and lift our voice and then ultimately make change.
2: That was a lot, Donald. (laughs) But yeah, I'm gonna jump in. So we said that our topic today was gonna be kind of like diversity in the workforce, what it's looking like in terms of all the things going on, COVID, um, the uprising and response to Mr. Floyd, um, the election going on. So, I'm just going to start by throwing a couple of things on the table and see kind of like what people on this call or on this podcast might pick up or think what we want to go with from there. So, first off, just to talk about, I guess, representation in the workplace and how George Floyd and the resulting uprising kind of brought all these things to the surface and these things being representation in the board, representation um, in the executive suite, the C-suite, if you will, uh, representation in the workforce um, and those demands that really started happening. One thing that I found really interesting just during that time was that a lot of the people who were speaking out were people who had the Um, advantage of great education and had kind of like been the recipients of um, schools such as the one that Donald and I went to shout out to the Princeton Tigers there Um, and those were the people being asked to talk also for um, the entire community if you will so gonna put that out there too like how Diverse were really the people talking to these diverse issues. Um, the one thing that I also experienced, or I thought was kind of weird even before that uprising, was this move to uh, virtual work in like the white collar professional environments and how everyone felt like really happy about that because they said, okay, we can now see more of your culture or like more of the things that are interesting to you. And as you guys can see behind me, I have all like my protest signs and artwork about, <laughs> you know, rising up. And maybe that's not something that really I wanted to share with my coworkers or something that I didn't feel was going to be welcome. Um so just putting that out there. And then one thing that else that Donald and I have talked about a little bit is just what the response has looked like and whether. I think there's a few different ways it manifested. It either manifested as a philanthropic type of donation, um, a frantic search for more diverse workers, um, calls that they weren't anti-racist without understanding what that word meant, um, and just hiring. And it was ironic because in response to COVID, a lot of people had eliminated those positions. So just those are the things that came to my mind. I don't know if Michael, you want to add any to the table and then we can pick one up and go.
0: Sure, I mean, I love to just comment and based on what I see with inside this space. Um, And unfortunately we live in a society right now where we believe that if I get ahead or if I have a viewpoint that any opposing viewpoint or, or anything that is against what I'm doing automatically means that person's wrong or automatically means um, that person is out to get me or they're taking something that I want to have and that's just not the case but because we are using that as the foundation it makes it very difficult for us to actually have true empathy for individuals regardless of what the situation is and if we relate that to what we see going on in our society today it's very out of the open. I mean, we saw where the guy who's in the White House right now decided to not condemn white supremacy on national TV across the masses. Hey. It's very similar where employers don't want to be transparent around their diversity, equity, inclusion practices or don't want to be transparent around what are they actually doing for pay equity. Right? right so i'm not gonna say that they're they are as direct as, as trump was when he said proud boys you know stand back or wait or don't quote me exactly what he said i i, I want to forget that <laughs> as quick as possible <laughs> right but but it's that same mindset right it's the same concept of timeout. there's a certain population that is unsatisfied regardless of whether or not you believe them or not or you could or you're going through the same thing all of that should be irrelevant it should be about okay. What is going on to this group of individuals? How can we best serve them? That's what you should do as an employer in the workplace for your employees. That what you should do, for, or that's what you should, that's what you should do as president of an entire country, not just white males who own property, right? <laughs> it is like this is not what true leadership or true support or true empathy actually look like for our community especially right now because we're living in such man we started a whole decade i mean like let's let's really set the stage we started a whole new decade 2020 and everything up until this point has been built off of racism everything up until this point in america has been built off of slavery Mm -hmm. everything up until this point in america has been built off of genocide so it's like, okay, we need to course correct. We need to have real, meaningful conversations and then implement long-lasting solutions that allows us to produce a new society, a new pathway forward. And it was one of my, one of my friends the other day posted on, on Twitter. And it was, uh, the Constitution was written over 250 years ago by white men with property, where a woman didn't have any rights, blacks were looked at as three-fifths of an individual, indigenous individuals were man was wiped out and killed and slaughtered. And yet we have not went back to the drawing board to say, hold up, wait a minute, maybe we got something wrong the first time we went about this. And to connect what's happening in our history in our society with what's going on in the workplace is very simple. We've been recruiting the same exact way for years. We have been using the same trainings for years. We have been going to the same people, to the same process for years. And I know that status quo is the most difficult thing to overcome. However, mm-hmm. the only thing that breaks status quo is urgency, is the need to do something. And COVID-19, this rise to eliminate economic oppression, this rise to finally, once and for all, eliminate racism in our society, has created the momentum that is needed to begin to have meaningful conversations, bring things to light, implement new things, be innovative where necessary so we can create A future, not just for white males of property, but a future for everybody, regardless of where you're from, regardless of how much degrees you have, regardless of how much money you got in a bank account, we can actually begin to create true diversity, true inclusion, true equity, not just for one, but for all.
2: Yeah. One thing that you said that resonated with me a lot was about... The empathy and about how, you know, you can share a lived experience in the workplace or whether it's something that, you know, you come in every day and you're not greeted and you share that with somebody, or there's a specific incident that happens that makes you feel um, not welcome in that workplace. I'm just going to, you know, come up with a quick example that I think people can relate to. And Rather than believing the individual as the person who experienced that, just taking them at their word, um, the onus is always put on that person to prove that that was what actually happened, that was what was intended to happen, that was, you know, malicious in some way. And I feel like that's a distraction from the type of conversations that you're talking about those meaningful conversations. And, you know, it's, it's not saying like, I can understand a lot because I have worked on this a lot um, that that is a reflection. If I'm having a, uh, if I'm pointing out a behavior to an individual, I wanna give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they didn't understand that that was the result. And I want to understand that that's like the result of their um, you know, lived experiences as well. But when you start to question somebody's perception or question somebody's feelings about things, that is just a distraction from the work that we need to do. So when you mentioned that, um, when you mentioned the meaningful conversations, when you mentioned the empathy, that just really resonated and jumped out at me.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a, def- it's a um, defense tactic to just delay actual progress. And another thing that I can relate to that is when someone says, oh, we need to, I'm going to give a real life example. There it is. <laughs> we, we know that there are millions of individuals here in Texas that do not have internet access like we know that we know there are millions of people that have lost jobs we know that like like we know these things yeah but instead of us talking about a solution or, or implementing a solution to address either one of those it's like wait time out first we got to go do research and, <laughs> and, and, make sh- and make sure that we're actually using the uh, the right information for that we already know it's just wasting time, and it's Absolutely. like, it's like, come on, like I understand what you're doing. I get it. I don't know if I'm, I might get it, but this is not what we actually need to do in our society in order to move, in order to move everyone forward. So to connect it to the workplace, it's your recruiting practices. It's how you engage with your employees. So if your people are telling you, "Hey, I want to see more Black and Hispanic inside our company today," mm-hmm. you know where to go. There's HCCUs. There's Hispanic-led organizations. There's Black organizations down the street. Go to Google, type it in, and literally you'll be able to find exactly what you're looking for immediately. But then once you do that, the next phase comes up. It's like, oh, but they don't have the right experience. Give them the experience then. Oh, but they don't got the, they don't got the skills. Then train them. Oh, but, 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 but it's all these buts, buts, buts. Instead of saying, hey, you need to reframe how you were even approaching this. So don't think as if, oh, we're only going to get the top 10% of all the Black people in the world to work for us. No. Okay? Instead, whoever comes knocking on our door, whoever's working with us in our, in our employee base today, we are going to do everything in our power to make sure that individual is successful. We're going to make sure that individual have whatever they need. So they, they, too, can become the number one, number two, whatever inside the company. But it's all about equity. You know, what I need is going to be very different than what you need. It's going to be very different than what Donald needs. But it doesn't mean we all don't need things. It doesn't mean that we all can't support each other in what we're needing. Right. It's, it's like we can do this, but the real challenge or the real root of this goes back. And this is my belief. I'm not sure how you all going to take this, but this goes back when, when you had slaves and you had everybody out everybody else was out in the field and you had that one black person inside the house right and it was like oh well only only one person could 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 get the the better life right quote unquote the better <laughs> life inside the house but all the other black people y'all going to be outside right it's like oh well we could only fund one hispanic company we could only hire <laughs> one hispanic person we need a diversity hire so now we're yeah. limiting what true progress looks like even within our community and us as people, which is unfortunate, we like, we up, we uphold that same process by feeding into it instead of saying, no, time out, I'm not going to follow your, your direction, your pathway anymore. And, hey. and that's where I think we are now. We're beginning to realize the, the, the revolution that needs to happen to actually tear down the structures and, and in place that continues to oppress individuals within inside our society.
2: Yeah. And I'll just to add to that is that I take, like, okay, when I think about anti-racism and I thought it was really comical that so many companies were saying that they were anti-racist in their public statements, you know, around that June timeframe. And they weren't understanding that they themselves could not claim to be anti, first off, you can't claim to be anti-racist, like it is an action, it's an everyday action, it's the actions that you take, right? So we practice anti-racism, we are not anti-racist, so I'll first say that. But the second is that there were all these statements about it, and yet they they were not giving proper credence or understanding to how they themselves are upholding the racist systems (laughs) that keep us like where we are right and i think that your recruiting example is so salient and i think that the way that you overcome that is to think about the skills that people bring to the table outside of that narrow view that most people have on their JD. So has this person learned to operate in several different cultures? Do they code switch? Are they able to speak other languages? Are they able to relate to people that no one else in your company can? Like those things are the necessary skills. I was, I've worked in technology as well. And I had someone coming to me try to, trying to code something that was gonna make a lot of money. And they didn't know what different music genres were because they were music genres that were listened to by Caribbean cultures. And so, you know, it's just kind of funny that like you shoot yourselves in the foot at the door by not getting these people in. But then it just hurts your product at the end when you can't reach these people for your advertising dollars. Instead, you're offending them. And that that whole thing would be changed if you change the criteria you were using at the door, which is, I think, what you were getting to. Like, let's not use these same practices. Let's not use these same JDs. Like, let's make this a training position. Um, let's teach these, you know, these... I don't want to say these people, that's horrible, but like let's teach these, these recruitees or whatever the right word is, um, the skills they need so that later they can marry those skills, the technical skills with the knowledge that they're bringing in the door. So um, I just am seconding what you're saying and providing that example of how, how really companies are just, hurting themselves by continuing these practices.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. I've, I've been writing and listening. This has been a, <laughs> a pretty good podcast thus far. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the words I wrote down though, and, and actually I'll, I'll take a step back. Um, I and, and actually I'll go to the top. You mentioned elitism, right? Um, <laughs> you are right. Everyone who is expected to stand up and fight for equality in that moment uh, were all the people who are already leaders in the inside of the organization. Nobody, and even including myself, I didn't necessarily take the time to say, "Hey, what?" Although we do a pre, we, could, we do a decent job, but not great. I didn't take the time to say, hey, whose voice is usually not heard? Because I know that my voice is because I set myself and I carry myself in that space, right? That I am equal. So Mm -hmm. even if you think I'm not, that's cool. I appreciate (laughs) it, but that's not my problem (laughs) because I'm gonna be here anyway. But for that group of people who are, succumbing to the constant oppression of inequality and discrimination, we, right that group of black people who are the elite leaders don't necessarily always then take a step back and uplift them. I, I think that was, that was a good point. Um, and I'm going to try and incorporate that into some of the discussions we have inside the company. Okay, so going into the company and I'll try not to call us out too bad. We're doing an excellent job. But you we, can
2: give your company a code name like Acme or something. Well, they something. know
1: who I am anyway, so. <laughs> um, uh, they are doing as best they can, but they are still an American company, right? Facing all of the, we're global, but I mean, we're focused on America. And in North America, we are a North American organization. And one of the lines that I wrote inside of um, a sticky note for our global diversity and inclusion task force is discrimination and ignorance are protected, right? And it it goes to that conversation where I wrote down another word, microaggression. That we've even minimized the aggression goes toward the language about whose responsibility it is to uh, shoulder the burden, right? So you don't acknowledge my presence. You don't say good morning to me. Uh, You don't call on me. You 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 don't do all these things that you do for others, but I can't call it racist. But I feel a certain way about it, right? right. So it's my it's my burden to carry, on top of the fact that this shit is racist. You know what I mean? Like like right. it, even if you say I'm not a racist, <laughs> your culture inside of the United States, un- until recently, like as as far as I'm concerned new cartoons are awesome because they show brown people right these new commercials these new tv shows these are all net new but if i think about when i was five during my most formative years thinking about myself as a person and how i represent in the world Mm -hmm. i didn't see myself right and so i think when we're thinking about these other people who have seen themselves for 40 60, 80 years, they've seen (laughs) themselves in power. And now in these last (laughs) three months, actually, and I might get upset here in a second, so um, cut me off, (laughs) But, but what's really been pissing me off just a little bit is this idea that Floyd or Taylor or Aubrey had anything to do with anything. You know what I mean? Like those aren't even my names. And, and this I was, I was, I think maybe I was talking to you about it, but like Eric Garner is where I start. And, and actually somebody else reminded me of, um, uh, I think Sean Bell got shot in New York, but it was even that other dude that had his wallet in his hand and his name es- escapes me right now. But like, if I recall, they shot him f- like 40, 40 bullets
2: Oh, right. On, I know. Exactly. Yeah. Like the,
1: so, like, yeah. When we start talking about all of these stories, right. Or even even the one we don't have to get into it, but it, it gets upsetting because then they're like, oh, now we recognize that there's an issue and now we're ready to do something about it. And then the thing that they're ready to do is market themselves. right? right? And yeah, OK, fine. But are we going to be able to sustain this conversation? And, and I think somebody also mentioned inside of this, actually, I, I wrote this other thing down. It was on a call that we were on. This concept of the asymmetrical power relationships, mm-hmm. right? They've said now in you know, my company, other companies, we're ready to recruit. We're ready to hire. All right, cool. Let's go to pva Ah, uh, we don't have a relationship with them. How about <laughs> Boston College? What? Boston? <laughs> like, that's not... What are we talking about then? Uh, I understand, and and this is part of it too, right? If you think about the way college is structured and the way society has enabled generational, uh, generational, not just wealth, but generational opportunity. Mm -hmm. They want us to carry the burden of education and preparation until then we've proven that we are the cream of the crop and then we can be hired. Right. It's not fair. And I, and I don't think they understand it. It's not fair that I have to only choose the best of the best people of color. Right. You know I mean, Like, why do I have, and I was, it's a joke here and there, but like black mediocrity is what I'm waiting for. <laughs> You know I'm I, I like, pe- Even when, when that is all okay. bum-ass cats out here making hundreds of thousands of dollars, not being smarter than other people, but still acting like they are. Because I don't right. think that people really fully appreciate the number of degrees or the schools that women, specifically minority women, carry with them into a white male space just to be talked down to. Right, like people don't really appreciate. What if it was a black dude that had no school, clearly was not smarter than everybody, and then was talking down to folks, and was getting elevated because of that? Like I've I've been on a handful of calls here recently where some dude has started popping off, and I'm like, "Yo, are you not familiar with the experience that we're having right now? Because you can't talk. Not only can you not talk to me like that." but you can't talk to anybody like that anymore. Those days are over. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like you, you, gotta, you gotta bring it down some. But, um, but yeah. you know, I was- just the way that, the way that the, the effort that we have to put in to help these, actually, here's the thing. I, I'm gonna say this too. We have to put a lot of effort to help these organizations, but at the same time, I've had different discussions with with very intelligent, uh, very successful Black people about what it would be like if we started our own businesses. Uh And the primary challenge is the same challenge that people are talking about when when they start talking about creating these Black towns. Folks start getting one talking about uh, self-segregation, and Mm. the other is the power dynamic. If you start a black bank, white bank is not going to allow that. Right. If you start black consulting companies, white consulting is not going to allow that. The only thing they will allow us to do is the things that they allow us to do. And we've accepted that to a degree. right? And I think somebody else just said, like, what, if, what are we accepting? We're accepting of that because that is the culture inside of America because ultimately we are the minority. Now maybe it will be better for our kids maybe but otherwise we would have to leave. yeah you know I mean and nobody really wants to go so we're, we're also kind of trapped uh, for better you know not trapped trapped because we are successful right so even in this call it's a, it's a handful of elite people talking to me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, what what, 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 yeah. what if we were a different demographic? We'd really have some, uh, you know, big hitters here. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We'd already be on Forbes magazine. <laughs> I know, exactly. Uh, you were so me, but uh, I lost it. So go ahead, Michael. Sorry.
0: No, no worries. I'm going to say a couple of things oh. there to that, Donald. So, oh, you got
1: it? Yeah.
2: I do, actually. Do you want me to throw it in now? So um, I was just going to bring in another um, trend that's also happening at the same time and then maybe get thoughts on that. Because one of the other trends I look at in the workforce is how fast technology is going as compared to other um, like revolutions in industrialized society. So if you look at like, you know, the cotton mill, which is, you know, only because of Black migration was that actually um, developed or um, just different things that helped us advance as, as a society, the rate at which we are making advancements because of technology is outpacing like the formation of our brain. So putting that on the table, because I think that that's also contributing to something that Donald said about you, it's very strange, like how you become a programmer right now. And so it could become a skill like painting or something that's very rote that you can teach someone to do <laughs> that's done over and over. Um, but right now it's still lauded as very um, high skilled But you see people with um, not as much knowledge or not as much success making it really well because they were kind of like the first to get in on this. And, you know, a lot of people who were talking about on this just weren't the first there. So um, that's why we don't have our, you know, brothers and sisters um, who are able to kind of like do less than amazing (laughs) and continue advancing um, in a company. So just throwing that out there as well as how these things are kind of like converging on each other.
0: For sure. Uh, And I definitely agree with that. And that ties in with what Donald was saying and what I was going to address is that the reason why I left corporate America was because the system and the structure was continuously being upheld by us working in it, right? And in order for us to actually do something about it where it's okay to be mediocre, it's okay to be trained, it's okay to, to not know anything and be taught, right? So it's as if like we, we have gotten away as a society, as a, as a people, to want to truly educate individuals. I'm not saying charge people to be educated, no, no, no. I'm saying actually teach and learn and be able to share that information and that value with individuals so they they can go ahead and excel and be exceptional because if you go to a school and i'm not talking about the school as we know today i'm talking (laughs) about if you are actually going to an institution to learn it is the Responsibility of the institution to teach you, right? It's, it's for them to give you the skill sets and training you know so you could go and be successful in whatever it is you want to do. But here in our society, we, we, we haven't done that. Instead, we have allowed our, our own individual experiences and thought process of what we believe to be exceptional, what we believe to be hireable, what we believe to be attractive to be kind of the catch-all for everyone else. And it's like, no, time out. Like, like, like that, that doesn't work in our in, in real life. And the reason why I say that is because we still have challenges today. Uh, so I, I love math so much because it's very simple. Two plus two is four. Simple, right? No, no matter yeah. what, nobody says two plus two is four. We all <laughs> know that, cool, blah, 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 Correct. But when you start to create solutions or implement things, and you automatically realize it doesn't work all the time, that solution isn't the right solution. Like, it, it's, it's that simple. So if you are hiring people, if you are engaging individuals, but someone isn't happy, okay, well, what you're doing doesn't add up, you need to tweak something, you need to change, you need to make the the the, uh, the, the change overall to move forward. And it's even more so important because of technology, because of society that we're living in today with how things are Literally, technology is outpacing our education system because it's so archaic, so outdated. Technology right now is the equalizer across the board. So if we are not tapping into technology for our community, for our people, we are just leaving them behind. We're just doing a disservice literally to America because now America's GDP is dropping. Right. So it's like we, we could be making more. We could be more successful, we could be a better society, we could be, but we're not because some individuals naturally believe, or in a national say essentially believe that, oh, because of the color of your skin, or because of where you live, or because of how close you are to a liquor store, that, <laughs> that right there, it what's going to dictate how successful in life you should be. And our whole frame, our whole structure, everything just just built that way. It's like, oh, no wonder we have the challenges and problems that we have today. So when, when Donald was talking about, it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter if you are a you know, black, indigenous person of color, if you have you know, X amount of degrees, if you have X amount of experiences, you are still gonna be talked talk down, right? You're still gonna, people are still gonna think that, oh no, uh, you were know, you, you lucky. You know, you you made it out because you know you were just that <laughs> one, that one individual, uh, and it, and it's so it's so frustrating because I know it happens across the board to individuals that are that are exceptional, that are just amazing individuals that may not yes. be that that may not have the specific skill set that you're trying to compare them on, but that's because you're not comparing them as an actual individual to an individual, right? You are yeah. only taking a piece of who they are and using that little piece of who they are to dictate how you treat them, how you engage with them, whether or not you hire them, whether or not you care about their vote or not. Right now, Mm -hmm. you are not even thinking about the individual. Now we're breaking it out, piecemealing it, and allowing that to justify, oh, this small percentage is actually going to represent everything else, even though that's not the case.
2: Yeah. Something else to add, I mean, beyond that kind of like, let's call it screening, <laughs> you know, if that happens, yep. um, just as a catch-all word for everything you just articulated, not to minimize it, but just to, you know, find a word. Um, is Another trend I'm really seeing is this, like, unspoken requirement that you love your company, like, love your company, and that you're devoted to it. And there's not really a place for people. And, you know, I'm talking about, I don't know how prevalent this is. This is what I've seen with, you know, again, technology companies, consulting companies, companies in that kind of sphere. But just that, you know, there's not room for people who have passions beyond the company. And I feel like that really affects people who feel a commitment to their communities to reaching back, like Donald was talking about to, um, you know, maybe training other people, whatever it might be, like there's really one type that is accepted. And that type includes the ability or the, the lack of responsibility to a community in the way that most um, communities of color live. So, <laughs> you know, Um, the fact that I'm and that who I very much care for and you know need to leave work to do that is like just seen as something that's not going to fit in in the corporate culture that exists as it is now Um, so I've just yeah I've just started to really see that like in that doorway conversation and the hiring, like you have to really prove that you can love that company at the expense of anything else. Um, And that just really doesn't fit in with a well-rounded lifestyle (laughs) that we may have been taught in our own communities coming up, you know?
0: For sure. They do not want you to be your authentic self (laughs) at all. It's like no, we want to hire you, but we really don't want to hire you. We want to hire just a, a percentage or a part of you for this job, but don't come your true self. Like I don't want to know about your, I don't want to know about your political beliefs. I don't it's want to so know bad. about your religious beliefs. I don't want to know about your your favorite type of food because you may say something I don't know. We can't do that, right? So so yeah. now it's it's uh it's just so. It's so sad that we have allowed <laughs> this to continue over and yeah. over and over and over again yeah. without truly understanding the the detriment that that has to someone's psyche, right? So yeah. now you're you're telling me that, okay, so oh hold on. This this is this is a perfect example. It's like okay, so my name is Michael, but I'm Mike in the office. No, 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 no. My name is Michael, right? <laughs> so yeah. you're you're trying to create a frame so I could fit into your framework. And the moment I start to go outside that framework, now you get defensive or you get kind of anxious because you're not really sure how to operate because now it's no longer centered around you and who you are, but instead it's centered around me and my individual.
2: Correct. So it's not only the pressure to Kind of conform or give the illusion that you've conformed to that, but also to keep everybody comfortable. And I think that the sad thing is that you know all of us in this discussion, you know, we've uh, we've seen some years. um, And but I really see it, you know, when I speak on panels and such that that's the question we get from the younger generation, and I feel like such a fogey saying that, but just. The ask is like, how do I keep going? And it's just really sad, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't have the answer except of my own commitment to support those individuals, you know? Um, so yeah, just to get really to a dark place <laughs> with, that, yeah, um, with that string of thought. <laughs> Donald, bring us back. (laughs) Yeah, one of the things, actually, you know
1: what? I can't. I will be uplifting. I'll I'll share a story that's recently been shared. Um, So uh, it'll start with a little bit of personal uh, background is I'm from a a little town outside of Chicago and in my little bit of the neighborhood, uh, it was predominantly black and Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those were the families that I grew up with. that's who I, I feel most comfortable around. As I've gotten older, right? We've split a little bit. So now there's black, we've added a color for brown. I don't even think we used to say brown back in the day, like brown is new. It used to just be black <laughs> and Hispanic. Um, anyway, so inside of the company, we started this black employee network, but I've always been driving toward making sure that the, that the Latinx and Hispanic network also picks up. Um, right. And so here recently they have, which I'm, I'm super excited about. And so what we've done as part of two networks is start creating space for us to have this intersectional discussion. But when we, and this is why I always like, you know, the concept of black and Hispanic is because when we come together, we mm-hmm. are a very vibrant and diverse community because of so much overlap, but also to your point, shared experience we can be comfortable in a room together with each other and we could take up the whole room. Yeah. So um, so one of, one of our employees recently wrote a blog talking about how the experience of being um, able to be celebrated inside of the company because of her uh, Latinx heritage, right? And being comfortable and now confident to speak Spanish in a work environment um, has mm-hmm. been a really good thing. And, you know, she's I don't, I don't, young, old is, is relative now because I think I'm young, even though- um,
2: <laughs> I still feel like I'm young. <laughs> even
1: though you know, apparently 40 is grown. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I what I what and what I've said in the past too is, we are normalizing the experience for new hires that they can talk about their challenges in the work environment without in a safe space without being ridiculed and knowing that someone is there working on their behalf. I, love that. Uh, I, I incorrectly said before that that Avanade is the first company I've been to the black employee network. That's not actually true. Um, I just didn't feel a part of the other employee networks from previous experiences. And there was only one company um, that, yes. that actually had a network. And I remember hearing about it, but it was never like, oh, hey, you need to come be a part of this. But at the same time, it wasn't the culture that I was coming from. Yeah. But now with any new hire that comes into the organization, they have an established platform for them to speak, be heard, be represented, and, um, and feel confident. And I think, although we know it's a struggle and we know it's going to be a constant challenge, their experience is not yet uh, is is not yet tainted with hardship, right? And they're gonna have to work, right? Because we're not gonna change all of it today. Uh, I'm
2: gonna get my Rihanna dance. But
1: but uh, <laughs> but they should be able to take the step further forward. And then you know, in a in a gen, in a professional generational cycle, I don't even know what that is because because yeah. of the way recruiting and promotion works, I don't know what generations look like. But at some point, our leadership teams, I hope, should start being more colorful yeah. uh, because even right now, <laughs> we're getting ready to start this mentoring program and with with our north american leadership i'm gonna call us out a little bit um so so we're looking to partner let's call it manager level uh uh manager level underrepresented minorities okay so okay. It's, it's not just black hispanic it's like all of our ergs should Got be a part of this process in in the in the upcoming future but our entire North American leadership team is white men and women. To the point that I thought that not everybody was required to volunteer as a leadership team. And so I naively was like, how did, we, how did the, this team of mentors get chosen? And the response was, oh, this is our entire North American leadership team. And I was shocked. Like the thing is, I always knew that we didn't have many people of color in the leadership team and people talk about it. But when you see it, that's exactly. the reason they don't want to give their numbers, right? Because mm-hmm. when the number is zero or the number is 100%, no wonder we've only been focused on gender. But if we've only been yeah. focused on gender and and still it's all white, that's the wrong gender. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
2: what? Okay, I understand now. I was, I'm saying, like, <laughs> I was trying bigger, to put my ally hat plus. on to understand
1: what... You know what I'm saying? like, Because that yeah, means now get discriminating it. again.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, but,
1: so I'm like, dude, this is still homogenous. Y'all are killing me with this. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy that they're trying. But at the same time, it's still this asymmetrical power relationship. So how honest am I really going to be with this group that's clearly a closed group right Right. unless they are saying that they're going to open the group then okay maybe we we're gonna find some some equity and equality but for my you know for me i'm probably setting the groundwork we'll see maybe y'all maybe one day y'all will call me executive um (laughs) and i'll be like oh go back Go back to that podcast where I was talking (laughs) shit.
0: (laughs) So what I I was going to say, go ahead, Camille.
2: Well, I was just going to take like, you know, I know we're coming to time and just to end on like a helpful or hopeful note. And I do agree that like the fact that the three of us are having this conversation and we are where we are and that, you know, we have a commitment to the people coming up behind us. And I, I think that there's more people for, like that quote unquote generations look to. I know that I had um, someone who was working, you know, on my team, I guess a job ago, I had somebody who was like a young activist straight out of college. And the fact that she had someone who could like understand her language and talk to, I think was a huge thing. Um, And you know, kind of reconcile like where I was and like where she was and like what each of us could say. Um, I just think that that was really powerful. So I just don't want to give up complete hope on it, um, you know, but yet still uh, keep rocking the boat because you know, we can't be idle. Go ahead, Michael.
0: For sure. And that's pretty much what I was going to say is that (laughs) we need to rock the boat from the inside and the outside. Right. So it needs to happen simultaneously, you know, at the same time, instead of just trying to do one thing, thinking that that's going to solve, you know, everything in the world. But no, you know. And Donald said it earlier, is that the reason why we have um, or at least one of the reasons why we have a lot of challenges is because that power dynamic. Right. But the moment we eliminate that power dynamic, well, then now we, we begin to have a very interesting, re, uh, inter, a very interesting um, push towards real solutions because we would have the power structure needed to actually allow them to, to, to excel and grow instead of trying to, and this is the last thing I'll say, instead of trying to fund a million dollar solution with $10,000, it's like, okay. Oh, that's never going to adjust. Yeah,
2: I saw this quote, and I think I shared it with Donald. um, But it was talking about how so many people were being asked to step up for their company's diversity efforts, and that was not those people's chosen profession. You know, like maybe they're a illustrator, and suddenly they're writing (laughs) the DEI, you know, plan and. The best quote was it's like needing to do some accounting and somebody asking does anyone know math you know this is a skill it should be regarded as such and these things should be funded for uh, the worth that they bring so absolutely agree
0: and on that note we're gonna close out of culture crawl atx podcast we thank you so much for listening, and we ask that you take this time to follow Culture Crawl ATX on Instagram and click that like button and follow on your favorite podcast listening platform.